Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure to click the subscribe button, like, comment, let us know what you think about the episode. If there's a particular guest or topic you'd like to have covered, we're always checking comments on there and love to be able to take what you guys suggest and make them into future episodes. Today I'm going to be joined by Jordan from Wicked Customs, and I've been looking forward to doing an episode like this for a really long time i wanted to talk suspension lifts and leveling kits and how we can fit different tire wheel combinations things we should look out for common mistakes we should make so he's got his own business he's been doing this a really long time and i'm looking forward to being being able to chat with him ask him what setups work really well things that i should look out for we all should look out for when we're thinking about leveling lifting and even the maintenance of a lift kit which was a you know something that uh, i hadn't thought of before so it's going to be an interesting conversation before we get to it, though, I want to remind you, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide code for you. If you go to kershaw.kaiusa.com, use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. They've got a ton of different knives designed to meet any budget use that you might have. So if you need something for hunting, fishing, EDC, something to put in a toolbox, glove box, they definitely got you covered. Their latest model this year is the Duralock lineup, and the opening mechanism is super smooth. It's got a real positive feel to it. Keeps your fingers away from the blades when you're opening and closing it. And they've got a bunch of different choices for different uh, like blade shapes, uh, lengths, different handle designs. And the blade's made out of D2 steel, so it's something that's going to last and provide you a lot of service. So if you're in the market, definitely make sure and head on over and check them out. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Jordan from Wicked Customs and chatting with him about suspension, leveling kits, wheel tire combos, and mistakes we should try to avoid if we're going to change the right height of our trucks. Jordan, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to have you on the show today to talk about uh, your company, suspension kits, leveling kits, learn more. I'm, I'm definitely curious about them, not just for myself, but a lot of listeners want to know more because we want to get rid of that factory look that we see on the street all the time, or maybe we want it for you know off-roading or, or some sort of performance aspect. So I look forward to learning from you today and learning more about suspension kits. Thank you. I appreciate the, the, uh, the invite for the show. I've uh, been looking forward to doing this all day. It's uh, it's such it, it's a topic I don't know a, a whole lot about. I know that I see a truck and it looks really cool, and I think I want my truck to look like that. But I don't know a whole lot. So I wanted to start with you know your company. Um, tell us about the background of it, how you got into the suspension side, and how the company has evolved to where it is today. Uh, Wicked Suspension started off a long time ago with me and my father. In uh, probably about 1999, 2000, I had bought my first pickup truck. It was a 95 Ram 2500. And at that point, we didn't really have the internet. We didn't have social media like that. I mean, there wasn't an outlet like there is today to be able to do research. So we built suspension parts in our backyard, in our Quonset hut. And we did the best we could with uh, books for race car engineering. And my dad, uh, he was an engineer for Briggs and Stratton for, for 30 plus years. So we had a, a mentality that if one guy can do it, anybody can do it. And we built a 10, 12 inch kit for a dot for this Dodge Ram. We did it on a steel table with chalk and, uh, and angle finders, the most, uh, the most Viking way possible. <laughs> uh, I mean, we didn't have CNC machines. We didn't have AutoCAD. We didn't have anything but a book 
in a little bit of intelligence and uh, a will to get it done. And there wasn't really big kits out there that were available to us that weren't being built somewhere somehow. And being that a, a Ram was a four link suspension, it was like the dawn of a new era at that point um, in the front of that truck. So everybody knew leaf springs up until then. And, and it was more difficult now to do lift kits. So at that time, um, you know, the 90, the late nineties, and I'm showing my age, I'm 38. So you can imagine I was about 14 years old and yeah, 14 year old back then I worked my ass off and bought this truck and I just had to have it. But, um, we built it for two years before I even drove it. And wow. back then that truck was $16,000 used with a 12 valve coming. So you can, you can imagine the times were a little different back then. Oh yeah. So yeah. I still have the truck by the way, but let me, let me get back. So we built this kit and we, we, we messed up everything i mean we did our best we did we did our best interpretation there weren't books that said this is how you build a street lifted truck there's books about race car engineering there was books about how to build a track car so we did our best to like interpret everything and make the best four link we could so we built a, a short arm long arm messed it up we ended up making it a full long arm and then we did uh coilovers from king or excuse me from fox and at that time you had to order them from california and wait god knows how long to get them and then we built all we figured out all the steering wasn't good enough so we had to do all that and then and then it just it was one thing after another and we just kind of messed it up until then but we always had a background in, in mechanical stuff i mean we did lots of muscle cars as kids my my brother was into them too i was more into lifting trucks but that's because we moved to florida and you drive them down here on the street so i mean you saw a ford f-150 on 40s down here wasn't unusual at that time, an older one, you know, it wasn't unusual to see a Super Duty, you know, with 37s and 38s on it down here driving on the road where I'm from from Wisconsin. We didn't we didn't really see that up there. So, I mean, th that influence was big. That's how that that's how the, the wicked suspension kind of you know oriented. But um, later on, I, I decided I was going to play basketball. I'm a large guy. I'm seven foot tall and I'm built like an athlete. And I decided I was going to play basketball and go to the NBA. That didn't quite go the way I wanted it to. But. I always had a game plan to start a, a custom business when I retired from the NBA. So earlier on, I, I just kind of let that let the basketball stuff go when I was 22. And I started Wicked Customs uh, after about a year of working at, at Home Depot and kind of get my shit together. I started Wicked Customs at 22. That was uh, 2005, 2006. And uh, we started installing lift kits. And then the recession came uh, in 2008. Everybody hates that word, but that's this is a pivotal point where a lot of companies went bankrupt. Uh, Fabtech, Fabtech had issues. Superlift had problems. All these major companies were, were really um, cutting back on, on how many lift kits they were making and how many people were actually buying them. Being from this area, we had a lot of business still. There was still a lot of building going on. I mean, we were affected by the recession, but there were still things that people wanted to do. So I started buying pieces of lift kits and, uh, and like buy the coil springs and I would make this bracket. I would make a kit happen. And um, that kind of, you know, started there and then it turned into like, you know, things got better with business. And then we started doing like a private label deal where a company would make us a lift kit. We throw wicked suspension on and we did that for like two years and uh, and we built some stuff still. But we were mainly doing our sticker phase, which is what I call that, where we had a we had a brand, we had a logo. This is guerrilla marketing, man. Like we wanted our name and our W to be out there. And, um, you know, from that point on. Um, you know, we did that for two years and then we decided that the quality of the product just wasn't what I wanted to represent. So 
during the recession and during everything, we still built stuff. We built a lot of items. We installed a lot of items. But I decided in 2014 to build this truck for SEMA called Goliath. And it was a uh, uh, 2014 Ram, or excuse me, Ford F350 Dually. And it was a single, it was a single cab. Um, and it was on 14 inches of lift. And I built this, this kit and I, I kind of named it Goliath. I just thought it was, it was a good name for the truck. It was a good name for the, for the, for the control arms. And that sparked manufacturing for me, building Ford kits. And I'm like, I can do this. And, um, you know, we ended up investing a lot of our own money into making a manufacturing facility, manufacturing facility. And that, that turned into a huge thing for us. I mean, it was, it was, it started off, you know, relatively small, but then once SEMA hit, that truck really took us to a different level as far as like what we were building. We were building fabricated control arms. We were building steering setups. We were doing coilovers that were neat. I mean, the way that we designed that kit was for looks and for drivability. And we built it for a guy in Texas that took a huge risk letting me build this truck for him uh, with, with very little, um, I guess you could say like, like presence in the suspension world. I'm like, I'm wicked suspension. I'm here. And this guy, Burt Davis, um, gave me that opportunity. He used to own a company called plain and simple that did headlights. And he was always taking cool shit to SEMA and that sparked everything. And then social media was just kind of Instagram was just kind of starting at that point. So you, you see all that happening. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the truck industry blew up at 2014, 2015, in my opinion, and it's been the best it's ever been in my entire lifetime. So, I mean, we still own the custom shop, Wicked Customs. Wicked Manufacturing is our secondary company. And it is the company that that manufactures all the lift kits right here in Naples, Florida. Every piece um, within reason, of course, some of the shocks and the coil springs we don't make here. But we do make every piece of that here in Naples, Florida. So CNC mills, um, CNC lathe, uh, a couple, couple of um, uh, CNC tables. Uh, full, full, um, full press break. I mean, everything you can do to make a piece here, we try to make it here. That's a really cool story. And, and you got me at the very beginning because right around that time frame of the late nineties, um, that's when I started to get into trucks and <clears throat> I grew up in Colorado and I remember late nineties, early two thousands, you'd see lifted trucks, but they were more purpose built. Like some of the people are going to take on trails or something like that. And then I, moved to Southern California for college. And that's a totally different scene where everything's lifted and it drives, you know, mostly on the <laughs> pavement. And I was like, I just remember it captured my attention at that time. Just the styling and the truck scene was, was so different and it always kind of stuck with me. And I think, you know, when I look at SEMA or I look at trucks now, um, it, it's a very integral part of, I think, customizing it for ourselves. Like a lot of times on the podcast, we're talking about, turbos and injectors and tuning and built transmissions and those sorts of things. But I think people start out with in their truck ownership life is wheels, tire suspension. We almost always do it. We want it to look a certain way. We want it to capture or express, you know, our personalities or the way that we use it. And you know, the, the design of trucks now is, is awesome. Like People ask me all the time, well, which truck would you buy? I don't know. They all look great. They all have awesome mechanical features to them. Their interiors are all awesome. And I think the suspension side can just totally take that to a next level. Um, a lot a lot of things have changed. I mean, they have completely made trucks a different story, um, a whole different vehicle. I mean, if you look back at what trucks used to be, they used to be purpose-built, like you said, and they were built for work. And I think in my opinion, in my lifetime, the Ram 1500 1994 kind of changed everything when they put 
a, a good interior in them. They put nice uh, equipment inside of them. They had a, a good, they had like a CD player. Some of them had leather interior. I mean, that those guys at, at Chrysler were thinking outside the box at that point in time. And they had that big um, four square grill. And uh, I'm a big Ram second gen guy, but I, I, and I still have my, my original one, but that truck to me, it was kind of like the turning point for everything. They put it in a movie too called Twister, which was a huge yeah, thing for I me when I was a kid. <laughs> I love that truck. Bill Paxton, man, and that red Dodge. If they don't, if they, they ain't got a hair on their ass, if they don't put that truck in the new Twister movie next year that's coming out <laughs> or a red Dodge Ram, if they do something else, I'm going to laugh, but <laughs> it would be, it would be interesting to see that. But that, that truck was a, a big part of it. I wanted a red Ram for as long as I, as I remember and I ended up with a black one, but, um, you know, trucks today, like you said, they're they're all great. Dodge had, or Ram, I should call it Ram now because that's what they're branded. But Ram, GM, and even Ford, they all have wonderful trucks. It's just a matter of personal preference. I tell people to buy the truck you like to look at um, the most or buy the truck with the interior that fits you the best. A guy like me with, with size, I don't fit in a Dodge Ram 2500. The shifter, the shift for the four-wheel drive is right in my knee. I can't get in one. And they don't put the seat back far enough and you can't modify it to make it farther. So my frame doesn't fit in that truck. So I'm kind of out buying a new Dodge Fords and GM fit me better. And then the screens in the, in all three now, since GM changed that new screen, they're all kind of beautiful. I mean, for what it's worth, the truck market is uh, at the best it's ever been, but it's, uh, it's definitely changing dramatically. It's become a luxury market. And yeah. I believe, For I believe Forbes did a, uh, an article about that where where millionaires and people that would buy Bentleys and Rolls Royces are starting to buy pickup trucks now and they're buying platinums, they're buying limiteds, they're buying these trucks that are, you know, what we would call 80 to $120,000 truck. And they're using that and they're living in the country. They're living out of area, you know, COVID changed a lot of that too, with people living out of cities now. And um, you know, that whole thing too. I mean, you've got a lot of people driving trucks that would have never drove trucks 10 years ago. Pretty interesting. Well, I think that's going to be part of, what we chat about is I, I can definitely identify and see exactly what you're saying with what, who typically buys a truck. When I was younger, it was usually for work or to tow a camper. Um, gosh, I remember them being for sale for 30,000, 35,000. I think my I bought dad my, didn't. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, I, I bought my first diesel brand new. I think it was 42. Now you can't get anything even remotely close to, you know, with, with a diesel you know, in it. And so it changed, it changed it. My dad didn't have an extended cab pickup truck until probably 1998. And it was like, everything was single cabs and yeah. uh, you know, everything we had a single cab, um, you know, but the, the, you know, the pricing wise, I mean, you're absolutely right. Prices are a lot more than they used to be, but um, I think that comes with demand too. Like pickup trucks weren't the number one sold vehicle in America at that time. And I think they're taking advantage of that. I mean, it's probably the most profitable vehicle they make. I don't get into the details there, but um, you know, when it comes to like an older truck, like I go back to my 95, that was a brand new truck, $34,900. And used uh, five years old, it was sixteen thousand nine hundred dollars. And you know, I I bought that truck used, and that was a badass truck at that time to buy used. You know, so like you can't get that kind of like depreciation anymore. And in the last couple of years, the prices of the new trucks have gone up so much. It's like having a string on the old truck prices. When they the new ones come up, the old ones come up. I have never seen so many third gen Rams over $20,000 in my life. Six O's have finally went over 20 grand again. 
they used to be five and seven grand. It was who could sell it for the cheapest. Yeah. You know, now, now it's the, now it's like, you know, a four door King ranch with 200,000 miles on it is 15, $16,000. And it's got something messed up with it. So, I mean, the used truck market is, is, is insane, but you know, new wise, I, I gotta say, you know, like the demand for the new trucks has never been more strong. And I, I see, I've never had so many people come to me with 2019s, 2020s, 2023s, and and want to do work to them. I mean, it used to not be like that. You wouldn't see a new truck in your shop for six months sometimes. And, you know, at least down here, it was like that. There was a time in like maybe 2001, 2002, where, you know, you would, you would see a lot of lifted seven threes, but there weren't nearly like there is today. I mean, you go down the road now, you every other F-250 is lifted. At yeah. least, in, at least in South Florida, you know. But um, back then, it was it was pretty crazy times too. I mean, those trucks were forty thousand or thirty five, forty k at that time too. And even then, now they're holding value like nuts. I mean, our friends over at New Jersey Truck King, they get them with like, you know, thirty five, forty thousand uh, original miles on them. And they're getting seventy to ninety thousand dollars for one of those that's in pristine shape. And there's people buying them because they want to have that new truck, but couldn't get it back then. Cause maybe they were too, too young, or maybe they didn't have the money or maybe, maybe they just had a, a father that had one and they want to relive those times. I mean, our muscle cars of our era between the, you know, third, I would say 30 and 50 years old are pickup trucks. All of our dads had pickup trucks. Yeah. So we all want to go back to that. We're back. My dad, you know, his era is like the sixties and seventies muscle cars. You know, that was his time. This is our time. It's changing. The, the classic car is more like the, older truck now so yeah. i'd never think i'd call my 95 a classic but it sure shit is <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> well i think it's a a really good insight as we start to chat about suspension um, stuff because i think what people are looking for whether they have a brand new truck or they bought that pristine older one is they're wanting to use the best parts the best design the best that they can get for it which might be a little bit different than when i was younger it's like what could i scrape together to make it look this way whereas now right. i would i would have a budget but i wouldn't try to trim it i want the best that i can get so when it comes to suspension either lifts leveling um kits what are people asking you for what are they really what are they wanting from you guys to put on these trucks that they're financially and you know emotionally invested in well um the biggest the biggest suspension if you had to call it a, a big lift kit or a leveling kit or like a mid-sized lift kit we could go through the three the, the most popular systems for us are going to be leveling kits through like a four four inch lift and then the bigger kits are for the i would say like the probably 10 percent of the market where guys want an 8 10 or 12 inch lift those are specialty trucks and it takes a special person to want to drive on a truck on 40s, to want to drive a truck every day on 37s or 38s. I mean, we do it. I mean, my truck is on 42s. My my one of my other trucks on 37s. My wife's trucks on 42s. I mean, people like us, we're we're enthusiasts, so we get that. But the majority of people that are calling us are asking us for leveling kits, four inch lifts, and six inch lifts at the most. We get that eight, 10, 12 inch, even that 15 inch guy. But I do believe the market has has changed dramatically towards more use trucks but they still want their truck to be custom yeah. so with the bigger fenders nowadays i mean fenders are huge nowadays f-250 fender can fit a 37 on a leveling kit it can fit a 37 on a, on a 10 inch or 12 inch wide wheel on a four or six inch lift depending on how much trimming you want to do so i mean these trucks can fit way bigger tires and have way bigger way bigger looks to them without going huge anymore where 
you know, let's say 2007, 2006 Chevy or 2007, 2008 Chevy, you had to go 12 inches just to fit a 37 correctly without, without Cali mod in the whole damn front of the truck. Right. So, I mean, there are, there are a lot of differences today, but the, the using, be able to use the truck, work out of the truck, take your family to a, to a vacation and get groceries in it. They want it all. And the only way to do that is to make it more every day, every man truck. So that's a leveling kit, two and a half inches all the way up to a, to a four, maybe six inch kit. Those are our most popular go-to kits right now in the market as of right now today. I think I would fit right in that demographic. You just talked about the majority where I want it to look a little bit different. And I wanted to ask you this question just for myself and I'm sure some listeners will have it too. What should I use to determine whether I do a leveling kit or I go to, you know, like a four inch suspension lift? What, what sorts of things should I think about to make that decision? Well, the first thing you got to think about is what you're doing with the truck. Do you, I always ask my customers, what are you doing with your truck? Some customers will answer me and say, I don't do anything with it. I just like having a truck. That's cool. So in that case, you can do a six inch lift, a four inch lift. You can do whatever you want, not have any issue with the truck performing or doing the tasks that it was meant to do. Um, guys that are towing, they need to stay with like a fifth wheel or even a gooseneck. I would, I would always recommend that you stay within a four inch lift or under. Granted, there are guys that defy that, but to me, safety is a big thing. So I've hauled with every size lift kit and I would rather haul a fifth wheel with a four inch lift. And that to me gives enough room for the rails to touch the camper, not to touch the camper, potentially get in some areas that are not flat. Um, making the decision on your lift kit is really a matter of what you want to do with your truck. So if you don't know what you want to do with your truck, drive it for a couple of weeks and see what you do with your truck. Uh, job site work is another one. Like not a lot of people want to throw stuff in the back of a 12 inch lift. That's, you know, a couple hundred pounds, like a whole <laughs> bed of two by fours or maybe concrete or something like that. It takes a special guy to want to do that. And, and for a guy with a four inch lift, he's going to be able to do that just like if he would, if it was stock. Even with a six-inch lift, it's a little bit taller, but it's still manageable to work out of or to use. You know, And then really personal preference. What do you want to look at every day? Do you want to look at this big truck that's badass and you want to be happy with that? Or B, do you want to look at something that you know is, is more friendly like visually where it's for everybody, where you can have a four-inch lift and it doesn't, it doesn't tower over the other cars in the parking lot. It's easy to park. You can get into a parking garage. You can park it in your garage. That's a huge thing in the last couple of years is parking trucks in garages. Um, I have every height pretty much for an F-250 or a Ram 2500 to get into a garage so that you can fit your truck in a garage where you can do a 37, a 22, and a four-inch lift and fit most conventional homes that are built in the last five years. Um, you know, that's really important. And down here, they have some communities have truck laws where you can't park your truck outside. You have to park it in a garage or you have to park it in a community parking lot. Those are things you have to consider, too. Um, the other thing, too, I, I mentioned to people is the is the is the maintenance behind having a large truck versus having a leveling kit or a four inch or six inch lift. So the bigger you go, the more maintenance you have to do. You have to have a good relationship with the shop that you're doing the business with or have a good relationship with the company that's selling you the suspension lift because there are things that need to be greased. There's things that need to be adjusted. There are bolts that need to be checked. There is no such lift kit on the planet that you don't have to check your bolts at least once a year. So a bigger truck with more miles on it, like let's get, for instance, a 2020 Ford F-250 with a 12-inch lift. I tell my customers every six months, you got to come in and get your truck checked, like, like going to a chiropractor, going to a dentist. Get it looked at, get it checked over, look for wear. If you drive that thing into the ground, it's going to cost crazy, crazy amounts of money to be able to fix it because you've ruined a lot of things that 
you could have just solved with one one small maintenance check where a leveling kit or a four inch kit you don't really have to look out for too much maintenance on those because there's not a lot of moving parts that we're adding to the truck and even wicked suspension my brand i mean we're not immune to issues but you know, the bigger the kit, the more wearables you're going to have to go through and things you have to check out. So if you want to have a very problem-free or, or a easy way to go, don't go over six inches of lift. But if you go over six inches of lift, you got to know that whatever shop you go to, whatever you, whoever installs the kit, just stay on your maintenance and make sure that things are greased, that the adjustments are done and that your alignment is on check because big trucks carry big responsibilities. I like to carry them to carry. I like to compare them to owning a Ferrari or a Lamborghini those vehicles require maintenance of, you know, $3,000 oil changes and things like that. You have to know what you're getting into when you do a truck that big. So, I mean, obviously those factors are always a thing that you want to keep in mind when you're lifting your truck. You don't want to lift the truck, hate it, and then sell it and lose your ass on it either. You want to enjoy the truck. And my goal is for you to, for me to sell you a lift kit, you keep it for one or two years or through the model year that the body style change and get another one and call me again. That's what I want you to do. So if I don't recommend the right kid either, ask the right questions, you know, things could go sideways. I can't tell you how many times a day somebody calls me and tells me they want to put 40s on their truck. And I ask them, first question, have you ever had 40s on your truck? And I would say 50 to 60% of those people say no. They don't understand what it is or what it takes or how much they even cost. You know, so once we get into it, they realize that 40s might not be for them. Maybe they're more into a six inch lift than 37s. Once you start bringing up things that you've been through or that the, that you know are going to happen, are you are you okay with doing this stuff? That's that's really up to the sales guy or the person on the phone talking to you too. So I, I, to end it, I suggest that you really look at what you're doing with the truck and feel out what you want to look at every day and how much maintenance you want to do on it, deciding on how you want to modify your truck. I think that really circles back around to what you mentioned in the growth of your company with social media. And <clears throat> I think of Instagram first, cause I'm, I probably use that the most, but I'll see this truck and I love how it looks. I love the wheel and tire setup. I love how it sits. And I think I want that. Maybe I want red, maybe I want white, maybe I want black, maybe I want blue, but that's <clears throat> how I want my truck to look. But I have no concept of what my maintenance is. Am I going to want to get in and out of it like that? Where am I going to park it? How easy is it to navigate? And so I think being able to chat with you and learn some of these things is going to be really helpful for, for people. And one of the things I was thinking of, and we talked about the big lift kits, what about a leveling kit? Are there any things that I need to pay attention to as a truck owner that might change either with my maintenance or other upgrades that I need to do or things I should think about for just leveling my truck? Absolutely. Leveling kits are an interesting thing. Um, you can go in a price scale between, I'd say a hundred bucks and you can go all the way up to, I mean, $5,000, pretty easy buying a leveling kit. What's the difference? Yeah. The biggest difference I tell people is to look at the components you're getting. Um, let's go to a Ford F-250. That's my, that's my favorite truck to work with. So it's my easiest one to talk about. You can go on many many websites and find a leveling kit that's two and a half inches and um that leveling kit will be 299 bucks it'll come with uh shock extensions and a coil spacer that does the job like yeah that does the job absolutely the truck's going to be two and a half inches tall the the, the look is going to be there um you know that does what you need it to do but what are the consequences consequences are you have no caster anymore so guess what you're going to be driving all over the road at 70 miles an hour maybe even 60 miles an hour you're not going to be happy with the way it drives the second thing is is the track bar uh is the track bar centered in the truck is the truck actually does it have tension on it now 
some of those kits that are less money don't come with those those products. So you have to look at it and go, okay, well, I only paid 200 bucks or 299 bucks for this kit and it got me two and a half inches, but here's the consequences to it. These are the problems I'm going to have. The tr track bar is going to last 20,000 miles. The drag link is going to last 25,000 miles. The truck's going to drive like crap. Okay, is that worth $299? If that is to you, then that's your kit. The other thing I look at, um, you know, is like our kit. Our kit's $799. $799 for a premium leveling system that comes with coil spacers, track bar relocation bracket, ra radius arm drop bracket, shock extensions, steering stabilizer uh, drop bracket, and brake line extensions. That's a full kit. Now, it's a base kit. I tell people it's like an XL F250 or an XL pickup truck. comes with everything you need to drive the truck. It's a good driving kit, but it, it could get better results by personal preference, meaning they could add coil springs instead of coil spacers. They can add uh, Fox shocks instead. How much of that do you need to do? You don't need to do any of it. You could do the base kit and actually upgrade the kit as you go with, with one of our systems. A lot of systems, though, will trick you by doing the low price point, and they don't explain what you're giving up doing the low price point. And it is a it is an easy thing to do. Believe me, I get it every day. Why is your kit more expensive than this kit? Well, it comes with these things, and I might as well be speaking physics to them because they don't know what a track bar relocation bracket is until I explain it to them. Most most suspensions are confusing. They have parts that you don't understand what they're for, and like me and you know what they're for, but you know it's like a roofer going on my house and telling me I need you know a shingle that's you know X Y Z and one two three. I don't know what the hell that all means yeah. if he doesn't explain it to me. How do I know? So all I know is which one's cheaper. People will make the decision based on the cost quite a bit more than actually what's good for their truck. So the the, the knowledge and the in the research of doing a, a leveling kit, check check the components for sure. Look at the leveling kit and figure out what components are there. Write them down if you have to. Compare them side by side and figure out what's the best value is, and then go from there to where where the next thing is what the quality of the kit is. There are there are leveling kits and lift kits that are made out of many different many different thicknesses of steel. So you're going to have you know eighth inch, quarter inch. You're going to have a lot of three sixteenths out there. Um, everything we do is out of is out of quarter inch. Everything we do. I'm a firm believer in quarter inch, heavy or nothing. That's how I work. But um, a lot of, of some other brands may be more cost effective. They're going to cut you know corners and do different quality quality things. There's nothing wrong with that. The product still holds up, but. At the same time, you go back to what am I doing with my truck? Am I towing 40,000 pounds behind it? What am I doing? Do I trust this lift kit I'm sitting on? Next question. Lots of reviews. Social media, you mentioned, has been a big thing. And that's a big place to go to see who's running what. And then ask some people. Ask some questions. How do you like the kit? You know, look at reviews on the kit on other people's sites. Go on YouTube. There's so many ways to see if people are happy or not with their kits. And, uh, and exactly why they're happy. Are they happy because it was a cheap kit or are they happy because the kit actually drives wonderfully? Um, it, it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's a very broad market and there's lots of ways to make the truck lifted. The difference between doing it right and doing it, and doing it maybe cheap is the difference between what you want your consequence to be and what you want your overall result to be. We try to make suspension lifts that have no consequences. Other than, of course, you know, the natural, the truck's higher than it used to be. So it's a little harder to get into or or maybe the uh, truck's a little slower than it was because it's got bigger tires on it. Those are natural consequences. Those come with the territory. But, you know, we shouldn't be able to level the truck and it drive worse. That's not the point. The yeah. point is to level a truck and for it to drive equally or better than what it is now. And I really do try to, to design products that are like that and design products that will last longer than I will. 
So that's that's really the the goal of our company. But you know, looking at those kits, keep an eye on those things. It's something, you know, I, I've never really done anything with suspension on my trucks. I've done performance things. I've had to, of course, do maintenance and stuff. But I think one of the reasons I hesitated is because I knew I didn't know enough. Like I would see those $100, you know, leveling kits, or I see this $1,500 kit or this 800 and I just don't know. So I kind of fall back to what do I know? And, you know, one of them might be, say, with like a transmission. You have a transmission go out and you see a rebuild kit for 500 bucks. Well, is that going to have billet shafts? Is it going to have a you know billet triple disc converter? Um, you know, is the the valve body modified? Do I need it? Does the pump need to be modified? Do I need tuning? So that's kind of why I asked that question because I wanted to understand more of, you know, if I just go into Google and type you know twenty twenty F two fifty leveling kit, I'm just going to be inundated with tons of information and not know what I'm looking at. So like for me, I would probably be one of those customers that would say, okay, I want your leveling kit, but let's do let's do the coil springs too. Let's do the shocks. Like, I don't want to worry about it. I, I spent a lot of money on this truck. I want to make sure it lasts and performs just how I want to. Let's spend a little bit more. Or maybe I don't need it. Maybe I don't need those things. And so I think those, those kind of questions will really help, you know, help guide people. Um, I know there's going to be people listening and they're like, man, I've wanted to do this with my truck. I love hearing Jordan talk about this stuff. When it comes to GM, Ram, Ford, how is there a particular brand you guys have say more products for or ones that you're expanding into or what is your product look line for the big three um we have products for all three the the ford the ford super duty is going to be our our specialty that's kind of what we what we fell into just because of the area down here and also to what and i mean that by like we have the most of them here so we were able to do a lot of r&d in our early days on fords but um you know, we do a lot for GM too. A GM 2500, 3500 trucks. We do a, we do a quite a bit with the Ram 2500, 3500, even the 4500, 5500 series as well. Um, we don't do a lot of big kits for Rams, and I, I just haven't gotten around to it. The Ram market, in my opinion, is is different. It's it's one of those markets where it's very specialized, and it's it's hard to it's hard for me to to break into it because I don't feel like it's as popular as the other two. And from a financial standpoint, you always want to be in the popular market. Um, but then again, my company specializes in a lot of niche markets too. Like why do you build a lift kit or a leveling kit for a Ram 4,500? Well, there's quite a bit of them out there and a lot of people want to mess with them. So that's also a good, a good place for us. And um, you know, as far as uh, my, my particular, you know, company focus, it's definitely Ford GM and then Ram being a third. It's really interesting because like I mentioned before, we chat about a lot of performance stuff and engine stuff, and it's almost the complete opposite where Ram and the Cummins, that is like the king of the racing aftermarket, everything. But when I, I think of that, yeah, <laughs> when I think of, you know, suspension, I, I could see how the, the numbers and the popularity, like, you know, Ford's been selling them, you know, as the top brand forever. And there's just so many of them out there all over the country. Um, and then GM, you know, is, is right there as well. So it's really interesting. You mentioned that. And I kind of like that perspective because like I said, it's always, I want, you know, 2,500 horsepower, you need to do a Cummins or I want 3000 horsepower, I need to do a Cummins, but how it's different on the, on the suspension side. I think a lot of that performance had to do like with, um, you know, the Cummins being an inline six. I mean, that, that setup has always been, I, I hate to say this cause I'm not that, that into diesel performance anymore. Like I used to back in the, back in the day, but, uh, the 12 valve and the, and the 24 valve Cummins were always less money to get horsepower out of yeah. until a certain point. So like you could get, 
two or 300 horsepower out for so much money and, and it was affordable. But after that, you start messing with ejectors, you start messing with uh, fuel systems and then you got to mess with your, you got to mess with your head studs and then you got to do a different, different, um, probably different internals in your transmission at that point. Uh, I mean, it's a, it, it, to me, a, a Ram in transmissions, I've had plenty of Ram <laughs> transmissions go out on me um, in my own truck and also in customers' trucks where, you know, they've left me stranded. So I don't know how I don't know how I don't understand it, but I, I do have a Cummins tattoo on my arm, so I, I do get it. <laughs> uh, you know, even though I drive a Ford and I drive a GM and I have a Cummins, but it's not my first choice. I can't even fit the damn thing, but I have a Cummins tattoo, so I mean, I get it. I, I don't know. There's just something about that though. The 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 Cummins truck and and the engine in there just to me it 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 signifies race. I mean, everything is like race oriented for those. You could build 2,500 horsepower in those for. For, and have parts available to you and transmissions and other things too. Yeah. I always felt like the Duramax was a close second. Those guys are nuts. Those guys will want to pull major power out of those things too. I mean, Duramaxes have been a really awesome vehicle and a really awesome motor uh, to work with in the past, what, 20 years they've been out now, 20, 22 years. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, even down back to the LB7 days, they were awesome when they came. I remember when they launched that and they got rid of that 6.5 or what is it, 6.5, yeah. you know, they went from a dog to an incredible engine right off the bat. And it sounded totally different too. So, I mean, that was popular. And then Ford, you know, Ford's always been a performance thing too, but they were always so slow. Uh, seven threes were just, they were, they could pull anything, but you better have, you better have time, you know, to get where you need to go. They'll pull anything up a hill. And there were people who probably hate me for saying that, but they were always slow. So you always wanted to modify them. And um, those trucks had a lot of things like those piggyback blue chip, uh, blue chip pieces they used to put on. Yeah. I'm showing my age now, but th <laughs> those things, uh, those things were popular and you'd get 75 horse out of them. And that truck would be a whole different animal. I mean, the fuel plates in the 95 in the, in the 12 valve key pumps. I mean, those were popular. I mean, I can't, a TST performance made a, a small living off of those things for years. And you'd put a, a different turbo housing on your turbo and, and you would do a, a, a like a big banks intake on it, and it would, or, or the Peterbilt air filter. You know, there's all kinds of things like that that were popular. But you know, I feel like Cummins has always been the race oriented uh, vehicle for sure. And then Duramax, and then Power Stroke right after that. But I believe it has to do with more along the lines the cost of doing it. It's all expensive, but Cummins always seems to be more attainable than a, yeah. than, a than a GM or a Ford. The Fords, I feel like you could never really break a thousand horse without breaking a hundred thousand dollars, you know? So, uh, and, and then maintaining it too. I mean, we went through the era of the six O's and the 6.4s and you know, those were tough times. I mean, that was a, that was great times for mechanics, but tough times for owners. Yeah. And I, I, I watch people buy those trucks and be proud of them and blow them up, you know, just because they put a super chips on them or something, you know, it was really easy to do. I had a six O it never blew up, but I, I mean, I had a six O everybody had a six O at that point. So, I mean, I feel like that was a, that was a, one of those times too, where that truck was crazy, crazy fast out of the box too, for what it was at the time. I mean, trucks today, they blow them away. But back then, I mean, that truck was a monster, especially yeah. after an intake and a, and a, a chip and a, and a, um, and an exhaust system. I mean, those trucks were great until they couldn't, until they blew the head off of them, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then they weren't so good, but I agree with you. I was going to ask you something because we talked about, kind of the more custom i'd say lifts the bigger ones where you know i'm sure with those types of customers you want to talk to them one-on-one -on -one, set up a plan and everything and we touched on the the leveling kit but for that four to six inch suspension lift 
what would you say are three things, three common mistakes that people make? You know, they call in and say, "Hey, I, I, you know, lifted my truck. I don't like how it's how it rides or whatever it might be." What are three mistakes they make that they could avoid? Um, you know, either talking to you or doing research or just thinking about things before they spend the money and kind of put their truck under the knife. The first biggest mistake is un, is underlifting and overtiring a, a truck. And what I mean by that is, is you're doing a six inch lift. You're trying to stuff forties and 16 wise underneath it. That is the biggest mistake people make. And they've seen it on Instagram. They've seen it on Facebook or some YouTube video, but they don't pay attention to the spots that have that have been cut. Or maybe the fact that the guy doesn't do uh, turns or doesn't turn full U-turn or, or doesn't give a shit. I mean, it's really kind of here or there with the, with the big tires. I mean, you got to fit. The tire that's for the lift kit so if you're going to do uh, a four inch lift or a six inch lift know your tire size know that it's going to clear ask a lot of questions that's always a problem a lot of people get heartbroken because they they undersize the lift kit and oversize the tires and the wheels wheel offset is one of the biggest misunderstood things in our industry and there's not really a good teacher of that um there's a lot of companies that try to put pictures up that that this works and that works and they don't tell you about all the cutting that has to be done and then the customer will get it turn to the left and tear his fender tear his fender off or he'll bend it in or he'll or he'll cut his tire it's unfortunate that that happens you know i try to tell people that you don't want to buy a size 16 shoe if you're a size 11 just because it looks cool buy the right size shoe for you that fits and be happy. Cause after a day or two, you're going to be tired of shit of wearing those things. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have, you're going to be mad about it. That's a big problem. Um, that, that to me is probably the number one issue is the, is the, is the education behind choosing what size lift kit you actually need. So if you like, if you go to our website on the bottom of it, you'll see that we have a tire chart. That's important. A lot of companies will put unrealistic tire sizes on there, like a 20 by nine and a 35. Nobody really runs 20 by nines and 35s. It's very, it's very uh, easy to put that on there because it fits really easy. I always look at what, what people want. If they want a 12 wide, you're going to have to do this to make it work. And I do keep a lot of pictures on file so I can show people exactly what you're going to need to do. You may have to use our bumper spacer kit. You may have to do trimming. Some trimming isn't bad. There are trucks that look so phenomenal on certain size wheels and tires that just require some trimming. And the trimming's not bad. It's not anything you're going to be embarrassed about. I try to compare it to like medical procedures. Like, is it, is this a, is this a day surgery or we do an open heart surgery? No, this is like stitches. Like you're going to have to go in get it done. It's going to be over with in a couple hours and you're done. Open heart surgery to me would be meaning you're taking the fender and you're cutting it from here all the way down to the bottom <laughs> of the door edge. And there are people that do that. And I, I saw a 23 the other day that was cut like that dude had a six inch lift and he had a 40 inch tire on it and a, probably a 14 wide wheel and half the fender was missing. That dude dropped weight. And for me, that was embarrassing. I'm like, God, I would not want to do that to a truck. I can't imagine. Um, the second biggest issue I would say would be the understanding the differences between, especially on straight axle trucks, understanding the differences between a four link system and a radius arm drop and knowing why you need those things. If you just think it looks cool, then buy it because it looks really cool. If you actually want it for, for, for use and for adjustability, doing a four link system over a radius arm drop is a great thing for being able to knock as much caster out as you can get as much caster as you can in the suspension system caster is so important so that's a big thing too is understanding that you're not just buying everything for it to look cool you're not just buying the kit because it's 
it's cheap buy it because you know you understand what the products do and what the things are ask questions that's a huge deal and a company that when you call us we can explain every single part of our suspension lift system so for me um knowing what you're buying is important that's another thing too that's another mistake made is buying the wrong parts you know buying something because it costs a certain amount you know paying attention to the cost is important knowing the value of something is important not everybody needs coilovers right so i mean you can buy a badass coil spring setup and not have the, the things that coilovers come with you can do many different things that you know are, are more budget friendly but are really good you don't always have to buy the ten thousand dollar suspension system you don't have to buy every bell and whistle i i preach that so knowing what you're buying is very important um as far as the third thing on you know understanding that there are there's there's maintenance that's a misunderstood thing a lot of again a, a big part of our of our industry doesn't understand maintenance they they don't tight bolts they don't look at things the way they should um, they don't pay attention to it they get it it's pretty it looks beautiful they run it into the ground and they don't do any maintenance and then they then they have problems understanding your your maintenance is a big thing under knowing what it takes to own the lift kit is a huge thing most lift kits that are that are out there require very little to no maintenance but still require maintenance they still require you to go back and get an alignment they still require you to go back and do bolt checks if we did those things more we would have less issues. We would see less things happen to trucks. If we just did more maintenance and did more bolt checks and, and actually, you know, made an effort to, to have a, have a suspension looked at every six months to a year. That's all it really comes down to. And if you look at what we do to our bodies, like, you know, we brush our teeth, we go to the dentist, at least most of us do. Um, we go to the doctor once a year, we go to the chiropractor if we need to, you know, things like that. That's maintenance on our bodies. Look at our vehicles the same way. If you do that, you're going to have a vehicle and you're going to have a lift kit that's going to last a long time. And that's going to give you the results that are wonderful. That's, that's, that, that to me would be the three biggest things. It's a lot of really, a lot of really good advice. And I know there's going to be, um, you know, some listeners out there that probably have a specific question for you, or they want to take a look at, um, you know, like a leveling kit for, you know, a four inch kit or six inch or some of the others that you offer. How can they find your company, uh, like the website, find you on social media, reach out to you guys and ask questions. Um, the, the easiest way would be to go to www.wickedtrucks.com. And we have a, a lot of information on there. All of our products we sell are on there. Very easy to get a hold of. You can go on Instagram and you can look at all of our all of our different trucks that we put out. Knowing what you want is important. I mean, if you take a, I, I tell people to take a picture, take a screenshot of the, of the truck you like and, and ask me some questions about it. And then, you know, from there, we can educate you on what lift kit you need. Very cool. Well, it was, it was awesome to chat with you. And I, I like to, I always like to learn on episodes. And like I said in the beginning, suspension is one where <clears throat> I know something looks cool, but I don't know what my options are, the maintenance, the things I need to think about. So I definitely learned a lot chatting with you. And uh, it was really cool. I'm sure you know, one day I'll have some, some questions for you when I finally settle in on that truck I want and what I want to do to it. But it was what, uh, what's your favorite, what's your favorite truck? Oh, I have to separate them between like old and new. If I was going to go new, I think I would do a super duty because of the transmission, yeah, the engine. Yeah. Um, they, they really have a great combination, don't they? They do. It, it's really, it's, it's solid. Um, I love Cummins that, that would be, if I was going to get an older one, it would probably be an 03 to 0759 with an auto. Mm. If, you know, I do some upgrades to it, but <laughs> I, I kind of think I want, you know, something to just drive, have fun with, um, 
make it look how I want, have those creature comforts. And, you know, for me, it'd probably be a super duty. Um, I love, I, I do I love think the that that's a good truck. That, the styling's great too. Ford has always had a great style. I think they've had a good looking truck, you know, I would say since 1999 with that big, that big grill. Yeah. I mean, they've always been ahead of the, ahead of the style curve in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Ford Super Duty, absolutely the best truck all around to, to modify. There's the most parts available for them. There's the most wheels for bolt patterns too. That's the thing a lot of people don't realize is that Ford has had the same bolt pattern for eons, I feel like. So, I mean, there's a lot of wheel choices out there. You can get anything between a cast wheel and a forge wheel too. Lots of cool accessories for them. Lots of uh, performance mods. I mean, there's all kinds. There's all kinds of things for Fords. Ford seems to be the the most modifiable truck all around. You know, where Dodge and, or excuse me, Ram and GM they 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 have they have a lot of things available for them. Just not as many as the Fords. So I think a lot of companies focus on Ford and aftermarket more yeah. than any of the other brands for sure. They do. Yeah. If I was going to race six in a row, make you go. So it'd be that five, nine common rail. I'd go have fun with. Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's like anything. I mean, those, tr- again, that Cummins has the most, the most products. I mean, I'm seeing guys build billet blocks. Yeah. I mean, a billet block, who would have thought, yeah. you know, we have, we have, we have CNC machinery here to be able to build our products. And I can't even imagine building a block from scratch out of billet aluminum. That's incredible. You know, that, that guy, that shredder guy, I've seen him pull a, a bunch of major numbers. I can't tell you. I think they were, I think he had 2000, but um, I mean, he's, he's blown up two or three engines, maybe more. And it's just that, that truck just has a look to it and a, and a, and a sound to it. That's just aggressive. It seems like any high horsepower, it's always Cummins, oh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, the Ford stuff is more for the guys that are pulling the Cummins to the track. Maybe <laughs> that happens <laughs> you know? a lot. You will be surprised how many. The Garis guys I, I chat with that do that. <laughs> I, I always say it's like they they the Ford truck has the biggest back seat. It's got the nicest dashboard. It's got really good cruise control. It's very comfortable. If you, I mean, everything is in a in the right spot. You know, like and recently, like the 2024 GMC 2500. If you if you look at it, the dashboard's beautiful, the ultimate right, the ultimate setup is beautiful. But when you put the truck in drive, the volume knob is right in front of the shifter. You have to go around the shifter to turn the volume up. Now, mind you, most people don't do that. They use their steering wheel controls. I, I like to use the knob too. I like to press the off button when I want to turn it off for for, for whatever reason, right? Yeah. And it's right in front of the shifter. Like, how did you manage to do that? <laughs> like, yeah. it's in drive. I've noticed you know, like that little, too. <laughs> little things like that just drive me nuts. I mean, the Dodge thing with the shifter with me, like, why do you have to put the four-wheel drive out two and a half inches, four-wheel drive buttons? You know, like, I realize not many people are my size, but like they could have put those up and out of the way. The yeah. 1500 is up and out of the way. Why not the 2500? So, I mean, it's, it's the Ford really just has a great look to it. It has a great value inside. It, it comes with a lot of uh, accessories. I mean, they are just wonderful. I mean, the new 23 has diamond stitching interior and limited and platinums. I mean, that's, that's cool. You know, that's a really neat thing. I mean, when have you ever seen a diamond stitch interior in a pickup truck that hasn't been put in by Catskin yeah, or Roadwire? <laughs> you have it. Like, no. that's coming stock now. Whoa. <laughs> like, who would have thought? If you would have told me 20 years ago, we would have had diamond stitching and a screen the size of the TV I had in my house at the time, I would have told you you were nuts. I mean, there's no way. We had, we had cassette players in, in that time. Yeah. You know, and that was cool. That was a big deal. You know, CD players were a big deal, but 
it's pretty cool, man. That's, that's a, that's a neat deal. I mean, I, I get to drive every truck every day and I, I love driving Fords. I feel like that's a, that's the truck of the, that's the truck we, we go to more than anything, but Dodges are great. And GMs are great too. Even the, even the, some of the other ones, like the Nissan Titan XD was a cool truck. It was, it was built differently, but it was a cool truck to work with. It was unique. We had a lot of high hopes for the Cummins, but that didn't work out. But, um, you know, some of those trucks have been great too. I mean, there's a, every truck now, it's like you said in the beginning, every truck is really, really hard not to like, it's yeah. not, it's, it's hard not to like, except for the Honda Ridgeline. Everybody hates that. <laughs> it used to be so different because, you know, way back when with the Rams, like you bought that truck for the engine and the interior sucked and you would buy the Ford for <laughs> the like, no, the, the plastic sucked the yeah. dashboards. There isn't a, there isn't a dashboard in the country in a Ram that, that from that era, that's still original. <laughs> yeah. You think back to like the end of the third gens, right? So like the end of the five nines, the six sevens, and you get in that interior and you compare that to what like the six fours had, that interior was really nice or the GMs and it was just, yeah. and now it's totally changed where it's like, man, they're all really nice. They'll have tons of power, great options. And I think that's where it's going to translate over or, or it is to suspensions and, and upgrades with no matter what we do to these trucks is we're spending a lot of money on them. They're, I think the way that we use them is different than they used to be the people who buy them. And so we want that same sort of quality or the same things we're used to. I mean, in our suspension kits, our leveling kits, our wheels, our tires, our turbos, our transmissions, um, all these other things. And I think it's making the aftermarket industry a really exciting time for quality innovation. And um, that's why I was really excited to do this episode and chat with you because, you know, we haven't, we haven't covered suspension really in depth in this kind of format. It's been mostly, race trucks and 60 foot times and stuff, but that's a very small percentage of people who do that. Whereas nearly every diesel truck I see, not all of them, but nearly every one of them has different wheels, different tires, and they sit a little different than stock. And so I think it was really cool to, to learn from you and, um, you know, have people start thinking about some things before they spend the money and make sure they get something um, that they want. So I appreciate your time today, chatting with us, dropping some knowledge, giving me some things to think about for the future and, Hopefully we can chat, you know, down the road again, or you do a, you know, cool SEMA build or something else you're working on, or maybe a bunch of people reach out to you and they're like, man, can you just do an episode just talking about how I do this four inch kit for this year Ford or whatever it might be. So I think it'd be a great conversation. Absolutely. And touching base on the the quality of the trucks. I mean, their, their technology has changed dramatically. I mean, we're starting to see rear independent suspensions now too. And uh, you know, Fords have load, the load levels, the load um, measuring systems now. I mean, these things are huge. I mean, it's uh, it's become a, a real a real a real thing now where you have to be you have to have quality parts. You have to you have to look at, you know, what you're building and how you're building and what you want to put on it. I mean, I have it. We have a, an XL that we did a video on a 23 and it's got Bluetooth. It's got a screen in it that's as big as the older trucks. I mean. These trucks are changing dramatically and the quality of the parts. I, I think every every manufacturer of parts now is looking at quality and doing a better job. And I, I do believe it's better than it ever has been. And I'm proud to be part of that industry where our quality is starting to come up and people and every company is is stepping up their game in terms of quality and what they're and what they're doing with their kits and how the 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 overall drivability of the trucks are. Very cool. Well, thanks again for chatting with me, Jordan. Thank I you. appreciate it and look forward to doing it again. Thank you. I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you.
Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23Diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. It's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. They've got a ton of different knives and really designed to meet any budget. And one of their latest releases is the Duralock model, which the blade is made out of D2 steel. There's a bunch of different choices for blade shape, um, size, different handle designs. The opening mechanism is super smooth. So um, I've got a few of them myself, love them. I always have one in my pocket or around. Um, open packages, do different things that I might need it for. So if you're in the market, definitely make sure head on over, check them out and use that discount code for 20% off site-wide. I also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, John, J. Cole, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube and podcast apps, follow us on social media. We appreciate your support here in year seven of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content you want to hear in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.